Okay, we're learning Daf Mem Vav, starting from the bottom of Mem Hey in today's, and we're picking up on the discussion from yesterday. Yesterday we spoke about that you could have dough chametz, even if there might even be, and we ended up saying even a significant amount, even a kazayas of chametz, but if it's stuck all the way into the um, usage of a bowl. It's, uh, it's in the place of the base of the bowl where it's mom is serving a function for the bowl. Even if it's a kezayas we came out, you don't have to get rid of it because it's just, it's no longer food, it's just a part of the bowl. And we spoke about if it's less than a kezayas, then it depends what location it is on the bowl. If it's in a place of the, of the lisha, then as long as it's less than a kezayas, you don't have to get rid of it. But if it's above the makam alisha, like on the lid of the bowl, you do have to get rid of it. So all discussions about chametz becoming nullified, uh, and it's not being, no longer being food because it's part of a bowl, it's helping out, and therefore it's not its own entity. So the Mishnah then said, So too, in regards to the laws of Tumatara, if you're Makbed on the dough being there, it's a Chatzitza. Presumably that means, if the Kli is Tum and you want to dunk it in the Mikvah, so is the dough something that presents a Chatzitza issue between the Kli and the Mikvah? So if you're Makbed Allah, if you don't want the dough to be there, you plan on taking it away, eventually it's a Chatzitza. If you're always going to just keep it there, then it's just always kept, it's always treated like the bowl. So it sounds like the Mishnah is saying, the same law of Pesach is true by Tumas. So the Mar says, Me dummy. You're contradicting yourself. They're not comparable. It depends on the shear. It all depends if it's a kazayas or not. That's what we're speaking out. There's a distinction between whether it's a kazayas or less than a kazayas. Now, in regard to the laws of Tumatara, it doesn't depend on size of the dough. It just depends on kapeda. It depends whether it bothers you that the dough is there or not. So it sounds like from the Mishnah, if let's say you're not makbin on it, even if it's more than a kazayas, it's good. If you are makbin on it, even less than a kazayas, it's no good. So... It's a different variable. So how could the Mishnah say so too Linyan Toma? So I'm reviewed the Ema, we should change the gear. So Linyan Toma ain't okay. And actually the Mishnah is coming to say that exact point. In regard to Toma, it's not this way. Meaning the Mishnah is actually providing not a similarity, but a contrast. But the Gemara doesn't buy that because that's not the gear in front of us. The Mishnah says, and so too Linyan Toma. It does not saying a contrast, it's saying a similarity. So the question comes back. How are we saying it's similar to Toma when in fact Toma is Tali in Kipeda? We're talking about in regard to combining for Tumah. So what are we talking about combining for Tumah? So we spoke about this idea before that Tumah's Ochlin, in order for something to have the requisite share, it has to be the size of an egg. Um, the size of an egg to pass on Tumah. So we're talking about a case where there was dough stock mama share to the inside of this areva that's trying to combine with another food to make the minimum share. It doesn't have to be all the same food. Let's say one food would get stuck with the other. So you want to know, do the two foods uh, combine uh, for the laws? And now the Gemara speaks it out. So uh, there's a different halacha would be on Pesach and the rest of the days of the year. Hey, dummy, what's this idea? And there was a case that was less than an egg volume of food that touches this dough that's stuck right here to the, to the areva. So they're all now stuck together. Part of the dough and the part outside. And the question is, are they going to combine together to make the requisite share? During Pesach, when because of the Isser, it becomes significant. And this is a very interesting concept. Because the sense of significance that it has on Pesach is because of the fact that it's Usser. The, the Isur, like what, what, the Chashivas here, when we say Chashivas, it means it's forced recognition. We can't just ignore it. So on Pesach, when it's the size of a Kazayas, we said you have to remove it. So since when it, you have to remove it, it becomes significant and you say, oh, it's not shot as part of the bowl because it's a Kazayas here. 
it's its own entity. You got to remove it. So now if in that moment another piece of food comes along and touches it, and the question is, do they, are they combining together to make the records of Shir of Kavetsa? We'll say, yes, they are. Because that little bit that's on the bowl is its own entity. As long as it's a kazayas, it's chashuv, it's significant, it's got to get rid, it's got to get out of the bowl. So it's not just part of the bowl. It's going to combine, therefore, with the food that's outside to make the Shir of Kavetsa. But Pesach, the Shir of Chashuv, if we combine and make the Shir of Kavetsa. During the rest of the days of the year, even if it's a kazayas, it won't necessarily combine because during the rest of the year, it depends all on a different variable. The kvezet ha'milsa just depends on whether you're, you object to be, being there. In makrulov, if you don't want it to be there, mitzdarif, then it would combine because then it's not part of the bowl. It could be considered a food. But if you want it to stay by the bowl, then it's just like the bowl itself and it wouldn't combine with the food outside. So the Mishnah, now we understand what the Mishnah is saying. The Mishnah is saying, the law of Pesach will make a difference. On Pesach, the variable is size. So on Pesach, if there's a piece of dough that's stuck on the bowl, then because it has to be removed out of the laws of Pesach, therefore, if another food, uh, a piece of food that's not a kibetzah comes and touches it, they would in fact combine. But during the rest of the year, where size is not the variable, the variable is simply if you're makbidalav or not makbidalav, then it doesn't matter. It's all just going to depend. If you're makbidalav, it would combine. If it's not makbid, you won't combine. What's that? Right. The rest of the year, we don't care about chlav outside. We care about whether you're makbid. So it all depends on, is it part of the bowl or is it its own food stuff? It just depends if you're makbid. But on Pesach, there's a different idea. Even if you're not makbid. But the fact that it's iser, it's machshiva. It makes it significant because it has to be removed and therefore it would combine. Maskev Rava, but the language doesn't tolerate that. Miktani mitztarif, does the Mishnah say combine? Hachotzeitz kitani, the Mishnah is speaking about the laws of chatzitza, not the issues of combination. According to what we're saying, it's not a law of chatzitza. It's a law is, is this dough, could it combine with another food or not? The issue isn't chatzitza, the issue is siraf. So how could the Mishnah's word be chatzitza? Ella Amar Rava, therefore Rava says a different shot for our Mishnah. What is the Mishnah coming to say? The chain similarly, lahalos tahara lareva, bringing tahara, for purifying, for keeping tahara on the bowl. What is the case? The case was that the, the bowl became tummy. Okay? And this dough, this, this bowl also has the dough that's stuck onto it. And you want to put it in the mikvah. But, so the question is, is the dough a chatzitza? So normally you say, what's the law of chatzitza? It depends if you're makbit. However, on Pesach, the Yisuro Chashuv, because if it's a Kazayas, it's Chashuv, again, the same idea. It's significant because you have to take it away. So even if I couldn't care less to take it away, personally, I'm not bothered by it being there. Personally, I'm happy to leave it on the bowl for the rest of my life. So normally in the laws of Chatzitza, it wouldn't be a problem. But on Pesach, because of the din that I have to remove it, so Chotzitz, therefore it becomes a Chatzitza. It's a fascinating halacha, the different areas of halacha combined. The fact that it's Pesach and I have to remove it out of Pesach means that it's no longer part of the bowl right now. And therefore, Tzvila wouldn't be good. It will be a chatzitza. As long as it's a kezayas and it's chashim because I have to remove it, so then the tefillah wouldn't be good. During the rest of the days of the year, where the variable all just depends on the person, how particularly the person is, if it's being there or not. So if you don't want it to be there, it's a no matter how small it is. If you're totally fine with the dough being there, then it's treated like the bowl itself, and it's not a chatzitza. So it's coming out that we're talking about someone who's trying to tovel the bowl. The bowl is somebody trying to tovel it. And the question is, normally during the rest of the year, it's all a chatzitza. But we're saying on Pesach, the size of a kezayis makes that it's a chatzitza be'etzem because you have to remove it. So even if your particular inclination isn't to remove the dough that's stuck onto the bowl. But if it's Pesach and you're trying to tovel the bowl, the fact that you have to remove the dough means 
that it will become a chatzitza. I find this concept so interesting how different areas of halacha sometimes can combine. We're saying the hilchos chatzitza of Tumah is impacted by the laws of Pesach. But says the Gemara, Then the language of the Mishnah should have been different. It should have been so too with the laws of making the bowl tahar. But that's not what it said. It said for the laws of Tumah. It's not really the laws of Tumah, it's the laws of Tahara. Now that's a very nitpicky kind of deal, because Tumah and Tahara are kind of just, you know, go together. But Rapapa doesn't like the language, the Mishnah should have said, So finally we get the last suggestion here for what our Mishnah means. Again, we're trying to figure out and we said that in terms of removing the dough from the, from, the, from the bowl on Pesach, it depends how big the size is. If it's a gazayas, you got to remove it. If it's less than a gazayas, you don't. Then the Mishnah says, so too in Tumah, and it says that it depends on something else. It depends on Chatzitza. So we're like, what's going on? Which one does it depend on? Size or Kepeda? So the Gemara gives its final interpretation. The so to the variable, whether or not the tuma would come to the bowl through the dough. What's the case? Let's say a sharet, the carcass of a dead, you know, a little dead sharet that's tame, which is an avatuma, it's touched the dough that's stuck to the bowl. Now remember, very important thing, a bowl can only be as a kli. A kli is only makabal tuma from an av. So if the dough is its own entity, so the dough will become tame, but the dough can't pass on tuma as a rishon to the bowl. But if the bowl, but, but, but if the dough is not its own entity, it's just a part of the bowl, so then the bowl was makabal tuma through the dough. So which one is it? So is it its own thing or not? So on Pesach, the Yisuro Chashev, during Pesach, when because it's a chatzitza, because it's a kazayas, it's chashev, it's significant in its own right, and you have to remove it from the bowl. The Yisuro Chashev chotze, so it's a chatzitza. Chatzitza, not in the laws of Tahara, chatzitza in the laws of tuma. That the, when, the, when the dead sheretz touches the dough, the tumah will not descend onto the bowl because the sheretz is its own entity. There's two entities. I'm sorry, the, the dough is its own entity. There's the entity of the dough because it has to be removed. It's its own thing. And then there's the bowl. So the sheretz didn't touch the bowl. The sheretz only touched the dough. Tumah wouldn't go to the bowl through the dough. The sheretz was only metame, the, the dough. But the rest of the rest of the rest of the just depends on your mentality, on your perspective, how much it bothers you that the dough is there. If it bothers you, you don't want it to be by the bowl, so then it always separates and, and because it's going to be removed. But if you want it to stay on the bowl, it's always treated like a part of the bowl itself and it's, it's treated like as if the sheretz touched the bowl despite the fact that it really touched the dough. So finally, we got our final interpretation here. We, we we have clear what's going on. In the laws of Pesach, we learned that, that, that you could have dough that's stuck to a kli, and there are sometimes, if it's very small, that it could be bottled to the kli. Again, we're talking here that it's on the walls, like we cleared yesterday, it's on the walls of the kli. So we said it depends on the size. If it's a kazaz, you got to rid of it. Less than a kazaz, you don't have to get rid of it. That's the laws of Pesach. The Mishnah then said, and so too, le'inyan tumah, Oh, it depends if you're makbid. What does that mean? It's a contradiction. Is it tully in size or tully in kpeza? So we're saying so to linyan tumah, there's going to be a distinction if it's Pesach or if it's not. During the rest of the year, it doesn't make a difference how big the dough is. If we want to know if something tummy touched the dough, is that considered like it touched the bowl? It depends if you're makbid. If you're not makbid, it's always like it touched the bowl. If you are makbid, it's like it touched the dough and not the bowl. But on Pesach, if tumah touched, it, it t- touched a kazayas of dough that's stuck to the bowl, even if you're not makbin on it. But the fact that it's Pesach and it's chashuv because you have to remove it, then it's automatically going to be a chotzeit during Pesach, a kazayas of dough stuck to the side of the bowl. We will not consider to be part of the bowl. And therefore, if the sharets touched it, the bowl would in fact be tahar, would still remain tahar. So that's the, about Papa's last shot here for what's going on. Okay. Zokta Mishnah. New idea, but very much a continuation of the theme of 
partial chametz of our parak. So literally it means I should say it's deaf. Deaf, deaf dough. What does that mean, deaf dough? So deaf dough is that you see a person, he looks pretty normal, everything's fine, but unfortunately the person has some issue with hearing and now you know, you're not really sure if he has das. That's the concept of a deaf person. So when you have batzik like that, is that your reason, you have reason to be nervous that it may have already become chametz, but you're not sure. So Rashi says like the case is that the, the surface of the dough already became like white, it whitened, it paled. Now we're gonna learn later that there's actually a dispute if that is for sure already chametz nuksha or not. But the town of our Mishnah holds that it's not. It's only once there are cracks that you're certain that it's chametz nuksha. But once it paled, you're just not sure. It's like a, it's entering into a, 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 into a certain way. It's like a status where you're going to be not sure if it's chametz nuksha or not. So what do you do? So the best thing to do is bring another dough that's comparable to this one. What does it mean that it's comparable? You needed another dough at the same exact time. Meaning, you made five glops, right? You made five things of dough. One of the doughs all at the same time. So what you do is you compare it to another one. If you look at the other one and it's clear it's not pale at all, so then you can be sure that this one also is not chametz. If you look at the other one and it's got cracks, so then this one that pale, you also are suspect that it's chametz. So you can tell the one that's in the middle based upon other doughs that you made at the same time. But the Gemara has a very simple question. But what do you do if you don't have another dough? How do you determine if it's chametz? I mean, tell me, tell me a halacha. What's the did? So if you see the 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 dough is starting to pale. There's no cracks. You're not sure if it's nuksha. So what do you do? So the Mishnah is saying you compare it to others. But what if I don't have others to compare it to? So this is the famous Gemara where we get the 18 minutes from. If they pause enough time that a person could walk from Dindununya to Tveria, mill, which is the distance of a mill, if that amount of time passed without being worked, and again, not not that the, that amount of time passed before it went into the oven, but that amount of time passed without it being worked, and that amount of the time that it takes to walk a mill. A mill, again, is how much? 2,000 ama. 2,000 ama is roughly, I don't know, 3,500 feet. So a mile is what? 5,280 feet. So you figure it out how long itself. How, how long do you think it, 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 it takes to walk a mile? And then try to give yourself whatever it is, two-thirds of that time. Would you say it's 18 minutes? I, pro- I probably personally wouldn't. But that's the shear that Chazal give. It's very interesting. There are different ideas how long to take a mill. Is it 18 minutes, 24 minutes, 20 minutes? So then you got to figure out, you know, how, uh, uh, based upon us. We always say the Chomer Dikah shear is 18 minutes. Okay, whatever it is. But in the Gemara, the shear is the amount of time it, it takes to walk a mill. The name of mill. So the Gemara says, why don't you just say a mill? Why are you hocking around with Mignal Nunya and the time to walk to Tveria? Like, why, why, why do you got to do that? Says the Gemara, you say the shear of a mill, no one has any clue. Give me some reference, some frame of reference for that. I have no way to figure out how much that is. And it, they didn't work with minutes back then, so you can't just say 18 minutes. So they, the Gemara says, that's why we gave an example. Someone, if I say to you, the amount of time it's to take, you know, from, 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 from shul to, to, to downtown, then you figure out, oh, how long would that take me? And then you have a certain, you know, an idea in your mind about how, how much the time is. Says the Gemara, the gobble, when we're talking about a gobble, a kneader. Someone who need this guy was was hired to knead his friend's dough. He's a worker. Now there's always a preference. There's always a preference that food be kept tar. It doesn't have to be. You're allowed to eat chul and tameim sometimes, but there's a preference that it be kept tar. All of the kalim that the guy has are all tame. How far do we expect a worker to go to get to secure kalim that are tar? How far do I have to travel? to get Kalim that are tar to knead his dough. So in regard to that issue, Latfila, in regard to davening Tfila Batsibor, to go to a shul, I'm not in shul, it's a, a travel to shul. How, how, how far does a person have to go to get a minion? 
Lenatila Sedaim in regard to if a person doesn't have water but they want to eat bread, how far do they have to travel for Natila Sedaim? All these halachos arba milim. The shear is four mil. So here it's very important. We're not talking about a person who's at home, we're talking about a person who's traveling. He's walking on the road. So how far does the traveler have to go? We're saying he has to go up to four mil, which is a considerable amount of time, specifically because the Mr. Bura Paskins that it's not based upon walking, it's based upon time. So if you have a car, so it's a 72-minute drive, right? That's a very far thing. But that's all when you're traveling. Okay, right? 18 times 4? 72? No. Yeah? Yeah, there we go. Okay, good. So Arba Milin, it's the amount of time, 4 mil when you're traveling. So now the Gemara says, This Amor was the person who said this. Not Rabbi Vo, but Aivu. He said four halachos that are telling 72 minutes, 4 mil. Not the only the three that we said. What's the extra one that we're missing? The extra one is for the halacha of working leather. What's the halacha of working leather? There are certain very soft leathers, very soft hides that are treated like meat. The Mishnah and Chulin says they're very soft ones. And they're edible somewhat. So they're treated like meat. So we say in the Mishnah Kulun, Vukulun Sheivdu. But if you started working on the hide to make it into leather, or someone was like stepping on them, the amount of time that it that that it takes to work on the leather, if people would like that's the way they used to like work on the leather, like they like st- step on them. So if there would be that amount of time, people will walk on them for the amount of time of kidei avoda, the, the amount of time to work the leather, tahorin, they lose the tumma of food, so they're no longer food. Meaning we're seeing a very interesting anomaly. Hides are considered like meat. Certain very, very soft hides. Not regular animal hides. Very soft one. The Gemara says like eagle arosh of a, a, like a very soft calf. The head skin, like, okay, that's treated like a meat. But once you start working on it, or they were working upon for the amount of time they were stepped upon for the amount of time because they have Oda, they lose their tumah. Except for human skin. Human skin, there's a new din, Midrabanon. It's very interesting. They are always tame, even if you mamish work it into leather. So exception. Why? It's, why is human skin tame? So the Gemara Kulun tells us, because we're scared of very serious thing, that a person would want to hang on, preserve the skin of their parents, and they would turn it into like, you know, Instead of burying it with the body, they would t- keep it for like a couch and like stay connected to their parents. So therefore, Midrabanan, that's not covered Mace, obviously. So Midrabanan, they said, human skin's always tummy, no matter what. But here, that's not what we're talking about. That's an exception. We're talking about regular soft skin that's treated like food, like basar. We're saying once you work it, then it, it loses the tumas. The tumas. But Kamadeva, how much time is the time to work the leather? So on that, we said, the amount of time that it takes to walk the four mil, the 72 minutes. So now we qualify. This 72 minute chair, again, we said for four dinim. We've mentioned it in our Mishnah in regard to the 18 minutes for Pesach. Okay, that got us one mil. But then we're talking about four milin is the person who's needing dough, how far he has to go to get to, get to Arkelim. How far you have to travel for, for Tefillah B'Tzibor. How far you have to travel to get water from the Tila Sadaim. And how long it takes to work the leather that now we say it's no longer a food. So the Gemara says, This is all for someone who's traveling, how far he has to go ahead of him. Meaning, if I'm on the road, I'm traveling in a east in a direction, and there's a shul, let's say, three mil ahead of me to the east. I'm to travel three mil. Up to four mil, you have to go. But when the question is, I would have to go behind me, let's say there's a shul two mil behind me, and in the four mil ahead of me, there's no shul. Then, I feel a mil and I have to go closer. You don't even have to go back a mil. You only have to go ahead of yourself, not behind you. Chazal said you have to travel up to four mil to go to a shul and get water. Fine, very good. That's only if it's not such an inconvenience because you're going in that direction anyway. But if it's behind you, you don't have to go back a mil. We can infer from there. It's only a mil. You don't have to go back. You do have to go back less than a mil. So very interesting. If you do have to go back less than a mil, 
uh, behind you, ahead of you is four mil. So what about if you're sitting at home? You're not traveling b'chal. If you're sitting at home, how far do you have to travel? Four mil or one mil? So the mice of the post can say one mil. The whole din of four mil is only when you're anyways going there. You're anyways traveling, that's what we say four. But anytime it's inconvenient to go, then it's only one mil you have to go. So that's the halacha. Like for all these things, you only have to travel up to 18 minutes to go. Sok the Mishnah. How does a person take off challah from dough that is tamay on yontif? So listen to this crazy case. You have dough. It is Pesach. The problem is the dough is tamay. You have to be mafresh challah. Now what's the issue? As soon as you're mafresh challah, normally mafresh challah when it's dough, so very good. So normally you have to make sure when you have dough on Pesach that you bake it right away so it doesn't become chametz. But you can't bake it right away. Why? Because why I'm only allowed to cook on Pesach. Lutzarach ochol nefesh. Challah, that's tamay. Is not a nefesh because nobody can eat it. So if I'm mafresh it, I won't be able to bake it. And if I won't be able to bake it, what's going to happen to it? It's going to turn chametz. So how in the world am I supposed to do? I want to bake fresh bread and it turned tamay. I'm still allowed to eat tamay. But the problem is, if I'm mafresh challah, what am I going to do with the challah? I'm going to be totally stuck. I can't bake it because of the loss of yantif. I can't let it sit out because it's pesach. So what do I do? So you shouldn't call it, shouldn't designate it to be challah until you already baked it. Meaning in a don't be kore shame and bake it. And then, very interesting, there's a way of being mavish challah after it's already baked, but since at the time of the baking it's undetermined where the challah will come from, then it's all mutter. Because bishas the baking, it might be a chul nefesh. We don't know where the challah will come from. So then that's okay. If you'd be mavish challah first, this is the challah, you'll be stuck with that glob of dough you can't do anything with. And we'll turn it to chametz inevitably. But as long as I don't not mavish challah, I'll wait to do it till later, then it's fine. Because when I baked it, I had, a, I had a license to bake it. So that's Rabbi Lazar's Eitzah, which is normally the Vidyevin. Normally we say you're supposed to be mafesh challah when it's dough. But here that you're totally stuck, you just bake it all the way it is and you'll be worried about challah later. Ben Becerra, Omer, you put the you are mafesh challah now in dough and you put it into cold water and the cold water will stop, it will withhold the leavening process. That's just the metzias he holds of. If you take it, the, the glob of dough, and you keep it into cold water, don't worry, everything will be fine, which is fascinating because it could sit out for hours in this cold water. You're hoping it's not going to leaven, right? If it leavens, you're stuck. Right now, you have balira. I'm at Rabbi Yeshua, top of the Ahmed Beis. You're missing, everybody's missing it. There's no issue about your Matzah here. Why not? Look at Rashi. Rashi explains because it's not yours and it's not the coins. Remember, is only when you're the owner. If you're not Makabalah cries for it and somebody leaves Hamid by you, you're not over. So it's not yours and it's not the coins. Because until you actually give it to the coin, it's just in the abstract, moment of Kohanim. But since it's not a specifically owned Hamid, whose is it? So it's not specific to one coin. So it's in this like vague sense where it's nobody's. It's right in the middle. It's not mine, it's not the coins. And therefore, no one's over in Ba'ayurah. So you're mafreshit and it just sits. You let it out and you sit it to the evening. And if it becomes chamez, it becomes chamez. Dr. Yeshua, no one is over. What a gewalt gada What? What? How am I allowed to work with it? Work with it? Work with this dough. How am I allowed to make something that... I don't understand. It's not I, mine. It's not mine. In other words, trying to make a mafreshit, right? Yeah. But I can't get to that point because it's out of my ownership. I don't understand. Every time you're mafresh what do I do? I have a dough. I set aside a certain amount of dough. This is for the coin. And, and, and then whenever I give it to him, I give it to him, right? So that's what I do here. Ah, if I leave it out, it's going to turn chametz and I'm over in Bali Raw. I'm not over. He's not over. It's beautiful. No, but didn't I get rid of all of my items that can lead to chametz? No. No, a person has flour. You have flour. You can have flour on Pesach. You can make. You could have flour. You mix it first with water on 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 Yontif. You want to have fresh bread. You want to have fresh matzah. Gavaldik. Problem is that it turned tummy. 
a dead sheretz mamish came and touched the dough. I didn't expect it to happen, but it happened. Now I'm stuck. I could bake bread. I could eat food that's tummy, but the challah can't be eaten when it's tummy. If I'm mafresh it, I won't be able to bake it. It won't be a zarkach nefesh. And if I let it sit, it will turn chametz. That's the paradox. So everybody else is saying, don't be mafresh it or put it in cold water. And Yeshua is saying, it's not an issue. I'm not over. He's not over. Zok the Gemara. So what's the shaila? We have a question here. It boils down to, is he Yisrael the owner of challah before he gives it to the coin? Everybody else said yes. Rabbi Yeshua is saying no. So what's the root of the question? Says the Gemara Lema, they're arguing about is there considered ownership over the right to decide which coin you give it to. The Yisrael has that right. It's up to him. He doesn't just leave it for the Kohanim. He has the right to decide which coin it goes to. That is worth value. That's considered that he's an owner. He has a sense of ownership over the dough. The fact that I can decide who to give it to means I'm the owner. Fascinating concept. That's why Rabbi Lazar was concerned for being Ma'afr Shkala. Rabbi Shua didn't hold that. It's not mine. It's the Kohanim. I, I could decide. I have a right to decide which coin to give it to, but it's not money. It's not considered ownership. Really, Tovasana is not mama. The issue is a new svar called hoel. Listen to this svar. Since I have the power to be mater my neder, remember, hafrasha's chala is a neder. In a bunch of places, it works me kolach neder. Neder is something that can be annulled. So right now, yes, I've made it not my money. But I theoretically could go to a rabbi in a minute and take away the neder, and it would become revert to being my money. So therefore, even if I didn't do that, it's considered still in my bylaws. What a svar. Right now, it's not really mine. But since I have the ability to retract my nether, and it would be mine again, then that's still considered that I'm over in Bali Rav. I must say, even the way that it is. That's Rabbi Lazar's Chedesh. Rabbi Yeshua, Sabar, Larmin, and Hol. We don't say such a svar. It's far-fetched. We don't say since. But I say right now that it is Chala. It's not yours. So therefore, you're not over in Bali Rav. So now the Gemara throws us into a very famous sugya based upon the svaras of Hol. Itmar. It's yantif. You're not allowed to bake. I'm sorry, you are allowed to cook on yantif for yantif. But here, someone is baking extra on yantif for the purposes of the weekday. Fascinating concept. So you could cook. If you want fresh food on yantif, you cook. But here, our case in the Gemara is that you're cooking for tomorrow. Are you allowed to cook on yantif for tomorrow? So it's a dispute. There's mama's lashes for losasa komalacha. You're not cooking for yontif. And we don't say that there's a svara that since if guests would come, you would use the food. So even if guests don't come, it's okay. Meaning you're cooking for tomorrow. You already ate. You're cooking for tomorrow. So it's, if it's not for yontif, you're over. I, someone could say, yeah, but what if guests would come? You would end up giving them the food. So it's possible that the cooking will be for Yontif. Says Rav Chista, we don't buy that, Tzvara. We go after what you're doing. Not what the possibility of any potential is. What you're doing is cooking for tomorrow. The fact that if someone would come into the door, you would give them the food, doesn't, is not enough to see up that the Maisa is a Maisa of Ochol Nefesh for today. We still see it's cooking for tomorrow, and therefore there's, la- there's Malchus. Rabba Amar, you know, you don't get lashes. You see, Rabbah still holds Midrabbana and it shouldn't be done, but there's no lashes. Why? Because Amina and Hoel, we say this fancy far of Hoel, since if guests would come, you would give them the food. So it's possible that it's up, we, we, to, look, to see it up as a mice of cooking for Yantiv. So it's Machlok is about Hoel. Eventually, we'll get back to how this relates to what we just said. Machlok is Rabbah Lassar and Yeshua. It was a very different Hoel. Hoel is an abstract. Do you say since? We're very different senses, right? In our mission, we were talking about Hoel. Do I say since I could be Mater Neder on the Chala, then it's still my, my money. 
Here we're saying, oh, well, is it a mice of cooking for Yontif because theoretically guests could come? Totally different application. But as a concept, in the abstract, it's how do you look at a mice? Do you look at a mice with its fullest potential to be retracted or changed? Or do you look at a mice only in its most literal sense the way it is right now? And we're going to see a lot of broader application to it the farther we're going. But so far, we've just seen two examples of saying whole. So this is the Machlokas Amaram. So the Gemara says, If you don't say, How are you allowed to cook from Yontif to Shabbos? So let's throw us into something. There's a Mishnah on Beitzah that says, When you have a Yontif, that's a Friday, you're allowed to cook from Yontif, to Friday, from, from, from Yontif for Shabbos. On Friday, you're allowed to put up a Chalant. Why are you allowed to put up a challenge? So the Mishnah says, because you made an Erev Tavshilin. So the presum- presumption that we're looking at is that what's Erev Tavshilin? Erev Tavshilin is a shtickle joke, right? It's a Durabonan Dika thing for a Durabonan Dika issue. But if there's a Daraisa Dika issue to cook for Yontif, on Yontif for another day that's not Yontif, Erev Tavshilin can't do anything. So the Gemara's assumption is, why is it not a Daraisa to cook for Yontif to Shabbos? Must be because of Hoel. If it's Hoel, so it's not a Daraisa issue to cook because of Hoel. So now, even if with Rabbanon, we don't like people cooking for after, shop, for, for after Yontif, we could say, if you make an Eir Tavshilin, that's okay. But if it's a Daraisa, that doesn't get off the ground. That's what the Gemara is trying to say. Well, one day of Yontif to a second day of Yontif, well, one, you're 100% right, but you have to be careful. One day of Yontif to a second day of Yontif doesn't, is, 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 is it a concept that really doesn't exist, essentially. There's no such thing as a two-day Yontif. There's only Shemsafik that you have a concept of two days. So the issue is that every two-day Yontif is cooking from Yontif to Chol. It might be cooking Yontif to Chol. The only case... Yeah, it's always... You're right. You're right conceptually, but I'm saying it's always going to end up being Yontif to Chol possible. Yontif to Shabbos is a case where it's definitely Yontif to Shabbos. We know you're allowed to, but the question is why. So it must be because of Chol. So the Gemara says back, I'm blaming Shemir of Tavshilin. No, it's the Erev Tavshilin that's Matir. Really, you don't say whole. Really, it's a Daraisa to cook. But Erev Tavshilin is Matir. So the Gemara, come on, that can't be. Shemir Erev Tavshilin, Shemir it's a Daraisa. Again, what's Erev Tavshilin? You, you start cooking a little bit before, you know, you, you make some bread, you make some stuff before Yontif. How does that make that when I cook on Yontif, I'm not cooking, I'm not cooking for after Yontif? It's obviously Erev, Erev Tavshilin is only if the only Isra is Darabanon, so Erev Tavshilin helps. Now, why, is it, why is it not a Daraisa issue? Must be because of all. I'm going to let know there's a new principle. Midar Isa Tzarekhe Shabbos Nasim Biyantif. Midar Isa, the needs of Shabbos can be done even on Yantif. Why could the needs of Shabbos be done on Yantif? Because the Pasuk says, and we explain that Shabbos and Yantif are one Kedusha. That's the way Rashi learns. When you have a Shabbos and a Yantif, Midar Isa, it's one day of Kedusha. It's not Shad, I'm cooking on Yantif for after Yantif. The Shabbos that's right after Yontif is a part of the Yontif. It's Kedusha Achas. So Midar Isa, fundamentally, there's no issue cooking for Shabbos. It's not like cooking for Yontif to Chol. That would be fine. For It's just a Drabana and they didn't want people to say, oh, I see you could cook for after Yontif. You're cooking for Shabbos, so I could cook for Chol also. So that's only a Drabanan issue. As soon as, as long as there's an Erev Tashilin, it comes out, there's a Hecker, so it's okay. So listen to how much of a gem of a Gemara this Gemara Mtsachim is. It comes out, there are two very different perspectives on why you're allowed to cook from Yontif to Shabbos. Why are you allowed to cook from Yontif to Shabbos? We know the Mishnah says because you made an Erev. Everybody understands that's only once you're into a Darabonan playing field. If you're not a Daraisa, Erev Tashilin is worthless. Why is it Mutter Medaraisa? So there's two Pshatim. If you hold of Hoel, if you hold of Raba, Raba holds of Hoel, so then it's Mutter al Tohel, might be for Yontif, the same way you're not like if you cook for, Yontif, for after Yontif, according to Rabbah. 
According to Rav Chista, it's mutter because midaray said sarchi shavas nasim biyantif kedusha achas, and it's just a drabanan and irdashin is matzah drabanan. What's the big nafkamina? The big nafkamina is if you're allowed to prepare right before the end of yantif when there's not enough time for theoretically uh, guests to come. It's not all going to matter. Right? If, if I'm doing it at two p.m., it's great. Then I have hoel. But if I'm doing it a minute before shkia, you don't have hoel. So this is a big nafkamina. It depending. There's a big machlokas lamaisa. The halacha lamaisa, when you're using, you made your air of tafshilin. If you need oil, it has to be practical with oil. If you don't need oil, then it's not. Very, very interesting. Nafkimina comes out between Rabban and Rabchist. Says the Gemara You have a very sick hand, you really want a shechli, because if you don't shechli, what's going to happen? It might drop dead and you lost all the value of the meat. So you're trying to hurry a shechita. So you're not allowed to hurry a shechita unless there's enough time that after the shechita, you could go roast at least a kazais of meat before yantif is over. Because again, you can't shaft and prepare food on Yantif if you're not going to use it on Yantif. So that has to be enough time that you're going to go roast at least a kazayas of meat. And it says, Yochel Lechel, it sounds like as long as you could eat, Avogadolomatzi Lechel, even though you're not going to. Meaning, you already ate, you're stuffed. But as long as there's enough time that you could roast it, it's fine, even though you don't, you're not going to, you don't want to. So what's the pshat? You say, Ho. Since if you'd want to eat, you could. So therefore, even if you're not going to eat, it's still considered Ochel Nafish. Like you, Rav Kisada, you don't say, Ho. Why are you allowed to shech? When you're shechting, you're not planning on eating. So what are you preparing for? You're preparing for after Yantif. So why are you allowed to do it? If you say, Ho. The Vard is, it's a nice of Ochel Nafish because if you would want to eat, you could prepare a Kazayas of meat. But like you, like you that there's no hole, so you're straight up just preparing for after, you're just straight up doing malacha to prepare food for after yantif. So I'm a lay mishum hefsin mamono. You're right, it's a new heter so that his money shouldn't be lost. Right? It's an expensive animal. Says the Gemara, Mishum Hefsid Mamono Sharina Nisura Daraisa. If you don't say Hoel, it's an Isra Daraisa. It's a shakla animal on Yantif. If you're not planning on eating it, it's an Isra Daraisa. So what are you saying? Why am I allowed to do it? Oh, because it's a loss of money. A loss of money doesn't warrant me doing an Isra Daraisa. Because of Hefsin Mamono, the person will eat a Kazais. He doesn't really want to eat a Kazais. He ate his meal already. But he knows he's only allowed to shech if it's a Tzarek nefesh. So mentally, he plans, he does, he'll force himself to eat at least one Kazais. And that allows him to make the Shrita because he has sure the Kazais possible. I can't get even one Kazais unless I shef the whole animal. So of course, if he's not actually planning on eating, then it's the Usr because we do not say whole, the Gemara is defending. The Gemara, the Bryce, it means even though you don't really want to eat, but you'll force yourself into the mentality that I'll shecht and then eat a little bit. Whereas if you hold a fall, you don't even have to plan on eating at all. You could just plan on shefting it and leaving it. And the fact that if you'd want to eat, you could, that would suffice.